resurrection happens for everybody. It's just a matter of what sort that resurrection is. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you believe that he died on the cross and rose again to forgive you of all your mistakes, that no matter how many mistakes you've made, then you will be resurrected unto eternal life in the presence of God. It's a normal thing to wonder what will happen after you die. What happens to my body? Does everyone have an afterlife? In today's edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel teaches that everyone will have some kind of eternal life. According to the Bible, each person is an eternal being and gets to decide where they will spend eternity. If you believe in Jesus and ask him to rescue you from your sins, you'll be with him forever. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As he continues his message, grab that. What Satan does, and he's been doing this as long as humanity has been here, he does the divide and conquer method, right? So he's got somebody who's struggling and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy in their life and he separates them out from everybody else. So that you feel like you're the only one and no one's there for you. And no one cares about you. Because when he has you on his own, then he can have his way with you. But you can thwart that plan of his by engaging in community again, even though you don't feel like it. Okay? So if you are struggling with those type of thoughts, leanings, I want you to reach out to someone. If it's not at the moment critical, call our office. Someone will be there to minister to you. Now also, if you don't have those feelings but there are people around you who you know are struggling, I pray that in Jesus' name, you be the hands and feet of Jesus in their life and you engage with them and you look after them and you care for them with long-suffering love. I realize that when someone is sad, when they're down, they're not exactly the life of the party. But the reality is, is that as people who love God, we need to be there for our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our co-workers. We need to serve as Jesus would. Because the reality is, is Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We were all living lives that were heading for suicide. We were choosing death. And then God came to live among us, to buy us back, to bring us back. That's the gospel, isn't it? And we, as the people of God, ought to be the same in people's lives. So I want to encourage you that in Jesus' name, if there's people around you you know are struggling, they're down, they're depressed, I pray that you make a point to be a part of their lives. Maybe the, one of the reasons God saved you and made you their neighbor, made you their coworker, made you their family member or in-law or whatever, is simply so that there would be a lifeline for them between him and them. It's you. As his body. Now, the question always becomes this. If someone commits suicide, will they make it to heaven? And the answer to that question is, is I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Why? 
The Bible says there's only one unpardonable sin, and that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's the only one. Now, some people would say, and I have a tendency to lean that way, is that if someone takes their own life, then how can their relationship with God be sound? When God loves life, God has a plan for their life, and they're taking, they're playing God by taking their own life. I mean, isn't that breaking the sixth commandment? Thou shall not murder. I mean, that commandment is in effect saying, it's not just killing, it's murdering. It's, it's premeditation. And most people who kill themselves do it with premeditation. But at the same time, do any of us keep the Ten Commandments? No. That's why Jesus came and died. So God knows what's in people's hearts. But what I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter what your sin is, when you are living a life in open rebellion, on whatever level it is, that's a precarious place to be in any way. Now, I do want to say this. So some people right now are saying, I can't believe Pastor Daniel said that because he's giving somebody the license to do X, to commit suicide. And I would say, no, 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 listen. The gospel, the gospel is the gospel. And, you know, I had someone say to me when we were talking about tattoos, you're giving people too much liberty. I'm like, I'm not. The gospel does. Because instead of giving them a law and a rule to keep, the gospel says, live your life Godward and God will work out the details. And the reality is, is I believe if someone is in here and they're just struggling with suicidal tendencies, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, I guarantee you won't kill yourself. Because you'll realize that God wants to comfort others with the comfort he wants to give me through my trials, through my struggles, that even in the calamity that my life seems to be, God wants to use me through that. Do you know why? Because that's everybody's life, isn't it? That's your life and my life. Is God, despite me, despite us, despite our failings, saying, look, I want to use this person with all of their mess. And that's true for all of us. So if you're here today and you really struggle in that area, I want to encourage you. God wants to use you even with that. Even with that. But the key for us to remember is that God loves life. And we should also. God loves life. Now, next question. The question about cremation. Are we allowed to be cremated? Is it scriptural? Here's the principle. Jesus rose from the dead. And so will you. Jesus rose from the dead. And so will you. See, the question becomes... What do we do with our bodies after our spirit leaves the building? That's the question. Historically, if you're supposed to be buried, what happens if you're cremated? Now, the reason I want to talk about cremation in light of the resurrection is because I think it's the only proper way to characterize a discussion. Now, we all realize, or I hope we realize, that there is a bodily resurrection that's going to happen. Jesus, after he died took on his body again. Remember the tomb was empty. Jesus' corpse wasn't in there. Now, what's kind of awesome is that our resurrection bodies are going to be pretty tricked out machines. I mean, you think about it. You know, it's like, there's a TV show. It's called Pimp My Ride. I know you guys are like, I can't believe you just said pimp in this church. It's just the name of the TV show. But Pimp My Ride is like they take this old hoopty 
You guys ever hear the word? Pastor Bill told me he's never heard of a hoopty before. He's like, that's an East Coast word. I'm like, Bill, it dates back to the 50s. We were doing like the etymology of the hoopty backstage. It's awesome. This is what Pastor Bill and I get to do. The word hoopty comes from a slang version of the Cadillac Coupe de Ville. So when you had an old caddy that was all beat up, instead of being a coupe D, it became a hoopty. But pimping my ride is taking this old broken down car and then they bring it to a mechanic and the mechanic tricks it out, you know? So it used to look terrible and be rusted. They restore it and they put white walls on it. They put, you know, neon underneath. They put a good sound system in it. That's exactly what God is going to do with you at the resurrection. You're getting the same body back, but it's going to be totally cool. I mean, think about it. Jesus walked through walls and he still got to eat. I mean, you can imagine Jesus walking in that upper room. They're all freaked out. Jesus walks through the wall. It's like, hey, can I get some of that fine Galilean tilapia? Mm. <laughs> so in the resurrection, you're getting your body back. But you're getting your body back in a way better version than what you have right now. And we all say to that what? Amen, Amen right? How cool is that? We're getting our bodies back, but a tricked out version, a very cool version. And the reality is, is that how you choose to let your body, when your spirit leaves the building, until you get it back in the resurrection, how you choose for it to stay here, that's totally preference. Because in the end of the day, if God is powerful enough to take our transgressions and separate them from us as far as the east is from the west, God's going to have no problem putting your body back together. God is that strong. See, if you think about it, there was a time when persecuting rulers wanted to offend the church. They killed them and they said, well, we're going to cut your body up into little pieces and scatter it all over the place. As if it was going to thwart God's resurrection. It's almost like illogical when you really think about it. So the reality is, is that if you died a thousand years ago, and I don't know how you'd be listening to this if you did, but if you did and you just got buried, there's not going to be anything left of you. Thousands of years, your body will decay into dust. And when it's time for the resurrection, you're going to get that body back again. It doesn't matter if all of the molecules are spread to the ends of the earth. It's going to come back together again. It's not going to be hard for God. It's not going to be hard. So I would say that cremation or burial, it's purely preferential. So however God's leading. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 to 49, speaking of the resurrection of the dead. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So what that says is that every single body is earthly. And that body ultimately will be buried of whatever sort it is as all earthly bodies go. But 
for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, your resurrection is going to be a spiritual one. Now, I need to say this. We have to realize this. All souls are eternal, and the bodily resurrection happens for everybody. It's just a matter of what sort that resurrection is. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you believe that he died on the cross and rose again to forgive you of all your mistakes, that no matter how many mistakes you've made, then you will be resurrected unto eternal life in the presence of God. That is the gospel. But make no mistake about it. If you are here today and you're like, I do not believe in Jesus, there will be a bodily resurrection for you as well but you will not live perpetually in the presence of God. You will be into a lost eternity. Now, some people right now, they say, I don't believe in Jesus, and why would I want to believe in a God who would do such a thing? Let me tell you, I would say this. You cannot blame God. He has done everything that he needs to do in order to see you not have that end. Let me give you an example. Imagine this, you come down, you have a terminal illness. You go to the doctor, you're sick. The doctor's like, look, you are sick with this illness. And in order for you not to die, I have this medication for you. And you say, well, listen, I don't really like you as a doctor. And I don't really believe that this medicine will help me. I don't really believe I have that illness even. If you choose not to take that medicine and you die, are you gonna blame the doctor? No. Who owns your death? You do. Jesus has done everything necessary. He died and rose again. The spirit of God even has you here today, listening online. Someone gave it to you and you're hearing this stuff. The reality is that all of us have a terminal illness and that illness is called sin. And God sent Jesus to die and rose again. And the spirit of God is saying to each one of us right now, you need that. And the only difference between this example, somebody who dies of the illness or somebody who lives from the illness is the faith to trust the doctor and receive, receive what will make them well. So if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you might not say, I don't even know if I need it. I think this is crazy. I want to tell you this. You really need to make a good decision here because life or death hangs in the balance for you and for all of us. I can only encourage people to receive Jesus. I can't make you do it, but I'll never be guilty of not encouraging you to make a good decision when the stakes are as high as they are. The resurrection happens for everybody. It's just a matter as unto what? We need to make a good decision with that. We're gonna be resurrected just like Jesus was. And I pray that we all are resurrected unto eternal life in the presence of God through our faith in Jesus. No other way to get there. There's no other way. Now next, the question about why didn't a woman write one of the gospels? It's a great question. Important question. Especially as you look at the world in the day and age in which we live. It's very easy to say, well, obviously, you know, the Bible is anti-woman. Right? How many people have heard that? Thought that? Okay, here's the answer. And then I'll break it down for you. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to women. The sister's like, uh-huh, yep. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to women. Now, if we were talking about men's issues, I'd say, and men as well. 
Jesus is just the best thing that's ever happened to everybody, period. But the reality is, is that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to women. Now you have to realize, why wasn't one of the gospels written by women? Simply this. In Jesus' culture, in that day, 2,000 years ago, in Israel, a woman couldn't even testify in a court of law. Women could not have admissible testimony in a court of law. Now, I'm not saying that that's the way it should have been. That's just the way that it was. That's just the way that it was. So it would make sense then that one of the reasons we have four gospels is because in almost every culture that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every matter would be established. It would make sense that these four gospel accounts would be written by men. Now, we can, if you allow yourself to do this, could you imagine if Jesus was incarnate in this day and age, in 2012, in America? What do you think the chances of one of those gospels being written by a woman is? Probably pretty high, because a woman's testimony is the same as a man's testimony. But guess what? It wasn't. Jesus wasn't incarnate in 2012. We're his incarnation today. So because of the cultural ramifications of it, it would make total sense that none of the gospels were written by women. Now, but what's also fascinating is that who was the first person to proclaim the resurrection of the apostles? Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was the apostle to the apostles of the resurrection. Now, we don't think much about that, but in that day, that was radical. I mean, this was a woman who had demons cast out of her. See, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to women. Why? Look at every single culture where the gospel of Jesus Christ is not the foundation of the culture, and you will see the rights of women completely diminished. I mean, we were all shocked after September 11th when we found out that the Taliban, that women weren't allowed to learn how to read and all this stuff. As Westerners, we were shocked, right? And rightfully so. But that is exactly what you have in a culture where the gospel of Jesus Christ is not its foundation. And if you look at the Western, the European countries, you look at the countries like America, where the teaching of the Bible is the foundation, that is why you have women with equal rights. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus in his person and work, completely cut the legs out under every sort of ism. Rich and poor are the same. Male and female, the same. Not that they have the exact same roles, but they're both sinners in need of a savior. Equally valuable to God. That's what Jesus does. Jesus levels the playing field on humanity. And not only is death and resurrection... Think about how Jesus lived. Listen to John chapter 4, verses 24 to 27. It says this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, verse 27, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Did you ever think about that? When the disciples came, they marveled that Jesus spoke with a woman. Why? Because rabbis didn't speak with women in that day. See, Jesus, completely outside of the mold of his culture, living differently. And what's fascinating is that the very foundation that has given equal rights to both sexes in the West 
is now currently being maligned for not giving equal rights. It's amazing. I would say this. I would make this case. If you're in here today and you think that the Bible is anti-woman, I would say you haven't done your homework. You haven't really studied or thought through. You're hearing things. You're not putting it into context. You're not seeing it. And I can say that because I did that. As a non-Christian, as somebody who never read the Bible, I'm like, oh, you know, who'd want to, it's so, so archaic. I mean, men's and women's roles, you know? You know what's interesting about it though? The Bible calls men to be men and women to be women. The way our culture does equal rights for men and women, all they really want is for women to be nasty like men are. I mean, that is the modern feminist movement is let's make women as nasty as men. And you know what? That's not liberation. That's enslavement. I mean, does anybody ever write a poem about a woman who curses like a truck driver? Oh, I love my girl. She can shotgun beers with the best of them. That's not beautiful. I mean, it's ugly enough in a man. It's unbecoming of a woman. See, if you think about it, there's nothing worse than freedom being greater enslavement. It makes no sense. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to women and to men. We're all valuable in the eyes of God, necessary in God's purposes in the world. Honestly, I challenge you to look at every single culture and look at the rights of women. And you'll be like, man, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for you. Now, next question. Why didn't Jesus alleviate slavery? It's a great question, isn't it? I would say this. Jesus emancipated us from slavery to sin. Jesus emancipates us from slavery to sin. I use that word emancipate purposefully. If you all know the Emancipation Proclamation, which prohibited slavery in America, right? I would say this. Jesus did end slavery. He just didn't do it socially. He did it spiritually. And because he did it spiritually, he expects us to do it culturally. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to women. In a culture where women didn't have many rights, Jesus treated them with respect and value. And while no books of the Bible were written by women due to cultural practices, they did play significant roles in the growth and functioning of the early church and the spreading of the gospel. Pastor Daniel also shared those roots of equality are present in the places where women have value and freedom today. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED 
to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will talk about why Jesus didn't eliminate human slavery. He'll explain that Jesus did do away with your spiritual slavery. Because of his death on the cross, you are no longer a slave to the consequences of your broken life. God wants people who are spiritually emancipated to help others become physically free. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Really? Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.